Be seated. So we have been um, walking, I don't have a clue how long at this point, probably nine or ten weeks through the book of Philippians, and um, we're going to begin chapter three next weekend. And uh, just uh, the title or the thoughts from chapter three are Uncommon Nobility. And just that we have our ideas and definitions of nobility in this world, but, uh, but God, he has a completely different paradigm for what that looks like. Um, but today, I, if you would, I've just been in Isaiah a good bit this week, for me personally, just walking through the storms. Um, not only for uh, the storms that were physical, but the re- very realistic storms of navigating uh, with a team in another country and, and the storms that were striking there, the reality checks for friends and people that I was meeting and I'm seeing and just, you know, God, how do we engage this circumstance to bring um, a lot of hope and help to you? And I just, I just feel like a couple of passages of Scripture are helpful for me, and I hope they're helpful for you today. The 61st chapter of the book of Isaiah and the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah are where I would like to read from today. And just, they're just promises or hopes to a nation that was struggling and just who we are, who God is, what we're about and uh, how we live this out in a very practical way. I was, um, I was reading on a friend of mine. Her name is Morgan. She's, um, I don't think Morgan's here today. She's got some her of her kids here, and uh, she's just fun. And she wrote this article. They evacuated to, I think, Virginia. And she said, I've learned so much about Hurricane Irma. And so I wrote her and said, can I kind of steal this? And then I started all adding my own stuff in. So if it comes across really terribly, that's my part. And um, the part that comes across as pretty thoughtful is her part. And so uh, she just wrote and said, I have learned so many things from the storm. I have learned that we have zero control over our lives, and we really like to fight hard for that. And it's just not there. Things can change, and I like the way she worded this. They can change and change and change and change and change in a moment. And yet, here we are in the middle of this, this extraordinarily resilient people when we're grounded in our reality of who we are in Christ and that our God is the lamb and he is the lion. I love, I was singing just a minute ago, and I don't know how many of you, if you get further back, could hear this, but, you know, um, what was that lyric? Who can, something, something? Who, who can do what? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? I don't know if you heard that in the back, and I, don't, I think we should be a little more interactive as a church anyway. It's, that would feel more like the New Testament as I view the book of Acts. But we were just singing that over and over, and someone from the stage just went, no one! And I'm like, I'm sitting in this going, God, in the midst of this, our resiliency is in the middle of who you are, because who can stop the Lord Almighty? Can death stop him? No one! I mean, Paul, Paul walked this. I'm, I'm now off of her words and on to my passion. You know, I mean, just, just people were speaking to each other, encouraging each other all the way up I-95. If you drove on 95, that's a miracle that people would be encouraging. I've never been at a gas station, this is my words now, where there was more joy at 1 a.m. than I did when we went to Birmingham, Alabama. The Busy Bee, it was packed. If you've never been to the Busy Bee, you should go. It's the best stopping point on the planet. 
And this place was like, there were people, people lining up I-10 to get off at the busy bee. I was laughing and going, this is, this is crazy, unless you've been there. And so um, we had, when we then, three hours later, we pulled into Waffle House, four o'clock in the morning, and worship. Like Susan and I run through and we're telling them, we're evacuees, we, we're not even going to order. We're, you know, we're just going for other purposes that you can't say from the pulpit. And so um, we're just going to run in and run out. And they're like, can we just pray over you? Oh, wow, this is beautiful. We just met so many people, she right, that were reminding us how important our lives were and how unimportant our possessions. A family from Naples who expected to lose everything, and yet all they did was speak life in the midst of the tragedy. It, it was just beautiful. She's, she says, we're back home, and churches and restaurants are feeding everyone. Linemen from states are sacrificing. Guardsmen, including her husband, are stepping into the midst of harm's way, giving comfort. Officers, police officers, and firemen haven't slept in a week. I'll throw in all of our electrical folks as well, just haven't slept in forever. And every time I pass one, I'm like high-fiving in my heart. Everywhere we turn, there's just service and sacrifice and servanthood, and it is the love of God in Christ. I really laughed at this. She said, you know, Floridians are in their communities, 99% humidity. They're jumping in the midst and saying, come. They're looking at all of their friends and saying, we will open our hearts to you with arms open wide. Unfortunately, like the hotel chain, we may not leave a light on for you. I read it and thought it was really funny. Bob, you and I are together. As I I read Isaiah 61, I just think these thoughts, faithfulness transcends circumstance. That we like to talk about faith more than we talk about faithfulness in the church. And, and this is a season when we're just faithful, when we're tired and weary, we're just faithfully approaching the throne of grace and saying, God, here we are, because I know this about him. He is faithful. And so the faithfulness of God transcends our circumstances. It st- extends beyond the present experience that we're living in. Faithfulness of God is in the midst of the joy. The faithfulness of God is in the midst of the riches. The faithfulness of God and his people are in the midst of all of those things, but they're also in the poverty. They're also standing knee-deep in the water. The faithfulness of God did not ebb and flow with the water this week. He is faithful, and his faithfulness transcends circumstance. His faithfulness extends to us to say, I look for you. His faithfulness is in suffering and life and death. This sentence just moves me. His faithfulness is a hope that will not disappoint. That's Romans 5, by the way, in a world that constantly disappoints. And so I would just encourage you as a people after God's heart to be able to stand in the midst, wherever your circumstance is, and look to the Lord and say, thank you, Lion of Judah. Who could come against you? The answer in that one was no one, because somebody got it right. God, thank you for your faithfulness, and now may I be found faithful in you. Talking to a group of extraordinarily weary people in the 61st chapter of the book of Isaiah, these words are spoken into our hearts. And I just wrote this simple sentence that the gospel of Christ, and again, this is just quoting Colossians 1, holds all things together. 
And if I could just speak that over you, I think some of you are going, thank you very much. We've known that for me since I was nine. I think in seasons like this, my grip on this lessens at times. And I just need to know this morning, God, your gospel holds all things together. And the gospel is redemption and healing. It is hope and hopelessness. It is the wonder of God putting on flesh and walking with us. And it is the wonder that God uses us to put on flesh and carry a bucket to others. And say, God, we bring the hope of God in Christ with us. The gospel is needed in this room this morning so that we stake our lives there and so that we extend the gospel outside of this room to a city that is experiencing levels of devastation depending upon where you are. Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has called me to proclaim liberty to those in captives, freedom to the prisoners. I'm going to speak and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of God's vengeance to comfort those who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty instead of ashes. It's a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning and splendid clothes instead of despair. That's what God is speaking to a weary Israel in this moment. I think he comes alongside a weary Mandarin and says the same thing. This is who I am. This is what I want you to know that I'm about. There is this beautiful power. And I, I, I just can't escape a simple sentence and thought as I read this. And I, I know this isn't profound, but maybe um, the, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me as a translation I've read. And, and maybe a, a truth about us as we walk through these circumstances is this would be the first determination. Lord, I don't go anywhere unless I am filled with the spirit of the living God. And perhaps before we begin engaging the city or engaging the nations or engaging with one another, we first engage with the living God and we begin in chapter 61, verse 1, where we simply look and say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. We, we, we do, we, we really do want to fill buckets of help. We want to step in and speak life. But here's reality for us. We don't have life apart from Jesus. But here's another reality we've already been singing about. But we ran out of that grave. And we have life in Christ. And we have hope in Christ. And we come saying, Lord, I don't want to move. I don't want to go anywhere without the sovereign Lord. And more importantly, or explicitly from this scripture, without a fullness of his spirit within me. And this is an extremely risky time for those of us in the church to look at our circumstances or the situations or the tasks to be done and we begin to walk about empty and bereft of the Spirit and that is an open vengeance for the evil one. And so Lord, I just began in Isaiah 61.1. Spirit, fill me with who you are, church. We just begin there by being a people of the word, a people in the word, a people praying through the word and saying to God, I I want your spirit to speak into me because what's happening in verse 3, it's what's also going to happen in this city and what's happening spiritually at all times. God longs for significant turnarounds in our lives. 
For major moments, he's writing in chapter 3, he's looking like this is a huge turnaround. If you will read here, I think it describes our city pretty well. It describes the state of Florida pretty well. It describes Houston now, who's a month in pretty well. This is a group of people who are in mourning. They have had fire and flood on their heads. The description of them is their head is just ashes. They're walking around in the midst of mourning. They're walking around bereft and hopeless. They're walking around saying, we have no chance. We have no hope. And there is a huge turnaround coming as the Lord steps into this situation. And it is significant for the people. To those who are mourning in despair, there is an oil of gladness. To those who are in darkness and in caves, we're going to give them a garment that they can wear. And it is a garment of praise instead of a garment of heaviness and weightiness. And they're going to be called. Verse 3 and 4 says this. We're going to call them, and I like this translation better. We're going to call them by this name. And I just paused and said, who's going to be called by this name? I mean, is it me? Is that where I'm at? And to some answer, it's yes. But to they in this sentence, to the people who are in mourning and despair, to those who are destitute and and broken, to those who are hurting, to those who are brokenhearted, to those who are walking in and out of homes as floor is now gone and walls are half cut out, to some who can't even walk in, to those, those, there's just something that the Lord wants to say to them. He says, I want to give you a very different name. I will call you, those who are wounded, oaks of righteousness, a planting of righteousness for the display of the splendor of the Lord. This is the ripe riches that we walk into as the body of Christ today. We walk in the midst of opportunity for the past week and for the days ahead to say there's something that that deepens in our hearts in moments of tribulation because we are filled with the Spirit of God. And when we come, we bring a hope in this world that does not disappoint Chapter 5 of the book of Romans says that there will be calamity, there will be sorrow, there will be suffering. It creates endurance, it shapes character, and it bursts hope. And that hope is formed up in the person and the spirit and the reality of Jesus Christ. And I love verse 5 because it says these words, regardless of what you're enduring right now, if ashes are on your head right now, if you're cloaked in mourning right now, and I know that there are some of you in that room with that circumstance, the Lord will foster a turnabout in your life and it will not be the the circumstances that you're under. It will be the spirit of the living God breathing life into you. And, And here's what you'll be called. An oak of righteousness planted far more richly than the temporal circumstances that you currently endure. You'll be called an oak of righteousness. Why? For the display of the splendor of the living God. That's our privilege and our role as we walk about this earth. God will restore. And I want to draw us back to our God. I want us to know that he sits enthroned. We read the, I think think it was the 40, we read several Psalms on, um, on Wednesday night as we gathered and just prayed and Enjoy such a sweet time as a family. 
And in one of the Psalms, it says, the Lord, listen, the Lord sits enthroned over the floods. And I thought that's so powerful because it doesn't say the Lord helps you split the waters through the flood. He just said, He sits over the things that tend to flood our life on this earth. And He draws our eyes upward. If we could live with that reality, it would be beautiful. I want to. I want to just. I just want to close here with a, a reality. I, I don't think that there's a, a more prolific ashes despair moment than death. I, I truly don't. In our experience, we we went to Birmingham for a few days. To, we haven't been since last Thanksgiving, so. You know, when school was canceled, my wife's a teacher, and when all the churches in Jacksonville said, and thankfully we did say, wow, we're going to protect our people, we just jumped in a car and drove all night, and we broke the dawn in the mountains of Birmingham, and um, I'm so thankful we went to spend time with family, but I'm thankful for a guy who has been in and out of my life for 27 years. Susan has known him for, I'm not going to, and let me say it this way, she's known him since she was 10 years old. 15 years or so. And so, um, but uh, his name is Beeland Friday. He is the emeritus pastor of her home church. And he is one of those, he's like Dr. Dan of our church, you know? I mean, I, and equally prolific as Dr. Dan. And so that's a big statement because there's not many Dr. Dans. And uh, Beeland Friday was, uh, was the one who preached my wife's funeral when she was 10, 9. Not her funeral. She's still here. <laughs> Let's get that straight. Everybody's looking at me confused. I went. So he's the one that preached my wife's father's funeral when she was a young girl and just walked with that family through that season. I was married to her when her stepdad passed, and he's the one who spoke the words of hope and help in that time and our family. And beyond that, he's just been a part of the church. I've had the chance to speak in and out of her home church several times through the years. and and an incredibly loving place. And Beelan Friday inevitably is one who will pull up alongside you at some point and um, just speak life, just words of hope. So while we were there, hospice had come into his home and he was at the end of life. And you know, it was so powerful, such a beautiful time. And we started sharing stories in the house about him and just what had happened. And while we happened to be there, um, we, we laughed because he's done a lot of funerals. Again, he is the Dr. Dan of St. Mark United Methodist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, and um, has spoken so much hope into so many things. And so as his funeral has drawn near, uh, another one of the pastors who's been around there for a while, his name is Don Cross, a great name for a pastor. And so um, he said, Don, I want you to come over. We're going to have breakfast or coffee. And Don said, two hours later, he wrote his own funeral. He said, it's, you know, he said, we just talked and drank coffee and shared life. And he said, these are the things that are visceral, that need to be shared about who God is and what God is and what he's about. And it was just, it was just a beautiful time. And mom came home, Susan's mom came home on Wednesday night and their choir had gone over and they had just shared a time of worship in his house and they had celebrated together. And um, they, sang, uh, they sang Sunday morning total praise. 
And if you haven't been a part of that, it was it's beautiful. And so they're singing total praise. And she said, Beelan is just singing it with us. And then she said, um, she said, we had a lady who brought a little more to the table than our choir was bringing. The hospice worker um, had a little more energy. And so we're kind of singing it in this little formalized way. And she started going off. And then Bela started going off. And the two of them had a little worship experience of total praise. And I think the angels were kind of there singing in it with them because in my heart and thoughts, that's what happens at the, at the bed of death when there's a person who's deeply in love with Jesus, that you're just colliding heaven and earth. And it is such a glorious moment. And they're singing total praise. And mom's telling us the story in the kitchen afterwards. And faces just streaming together. And she said, I just saw heaven and earth collide. And then... And then they close singing the Irish blessing. Our roads are going to part for a little while. We will meet again. Because of the hope that we have in this eternal one in Jesus. And what, what I gathered from that is that there are sufferings in this room. There are challenges in this room. There are challenges in Birmingham there. And yet, there is a heart cry from us to say to the Lord, in the midst of the ashes, in the midst of the mourning, in the midst of despair, Holy Spirit, as your, as your life speaks to me, raise up this sense of hope in the midst of it. Raise up this sense of beauty in the midst of ashes on this earth. Raise up and cloak me in a garment of praise rather than the reality that my life may close in the next moments and my time on earth is done. Holy God, if I could just do this as I make my way through the storms of life here for us or the storms of death in Birmingham, Alabama, whatever journey I'm on, oh God, if my life could be given in total praise to you. And I I can't do it justice. I, I want with all of my heart to start singing amen right now. Because if you've sang total praise, you can sing amen for 27 and a half minutes and feel like you're just getting started. And amen means so be it, Lord. So let this be true of us, Lord. Let this be true that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. And it's upon us because He's given us this news that is beautiful and good. It's the gospel and it holds all things together. And because we are held together in this room, we step out and heal. There are brokenhearted, we bring buckets of Jesus. There are captives, we speak the gospel of liberty. There are prisoners and we shout freedom. We proclaim that God's favor has not abandoned us in this moment. He is good. And as we speak and live this, and as He breathes life into us, we are given a crown of beauty and we sense the ashes fall away. Festive oil. I like it's not just any old oil. It's festive. It's not mourning. It is a blessing. And I promise you that Mr. Beelan, Pastor Beelan Friday, will be wearing splendid clothes. If not yet, because I haven't heard this week, any moment.
rather than despair. So I end where I began. Faithfulness transcends circumstance. It extends beyond the present. It is God in the joy, in the riches, in the poverty, in the storm, and at the bedside. It's a hope that is filled. Say it again. It is a hope that will not disappoint in a world that is filled with temporal disappointments. Glory to God in Christ. Fill us, Jesus, with your spirit as we just breathe in you for a few minutes. As we just rest in you. As we just hope in you. God, I pray for um, all of us in this room who bring such a variety of circumstances and challenges this past week. For some of us, this message has very little to do with the storm, and this message has more to do with other storms in our life. God, I pray for a presence and power of your spirit that brings liberty to the captive this morning. God, I pray for those who are in a place of ashes and despair, that there will just be a a glimmer of your spirit and your life this morning, and that there will be hope. Hope that transcends the current because we're going to drive right back into a circumstance. Jesus, I pray that what we'll gain out of this morning is more of you. And in gaining you, we gain beauty. We gain the cloak of righteousness. We gain promise. We gain faithfulness. We gain. So Jesus, as we sing these lyrics, I pray that you will forever reign over us. And that we'll trust that. We're going to close the service with a song. Some of our pastors are here at the front. I have no doubt that some of you would love to just hear your name lifted to the Father to have us pray over you today. If that's true, just make your way forward and we would love to pray for you today. Some of you just want to grab an arm of a friend and come and kneel at an altar. Come be free today to do that. Some of you just want to sing and lift holy hearts and hands to the Lord. Just be free to do that. We want to close our service just in praise and adoration of our forever God. So would you stand with me? Would you respond as you see fit as we close a beautiful gathering today?